the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you. At 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, invested in more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about we could talk about? Money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. To get your calls on the air. Let's talk Wall Street today. Let's talk getting you to retirement. Let's try to have a good show. Um, it's a bad day. So, already right there, I'm kind of like, oh, good gosh. Where do we go? The SP 500 is down 6, sitting at 1860. The Dow is down 55, sitting at 16,295. The NASDAQ down 14, sitting at 4292. There's a plan today for the mortgage giants to start to take shape. And this is wild. So the mortgage giants being Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's something that's been around since I was a young child, since my father was a young child. It was the government-sponsored entities that help individuals get funding or helps banks get funding so they can help you get a mortgage loan. This is a pretty big story. Now, taking a look at all the other big stories out there, um, Candy Crush filing for an IPO, Amazon working on a music streaming service, Disney in talks to buy an online video producer, which is pretty interesting. company called Maker, they're in talks to uh, be acquired. $500 $500 million. If the deal should close, it would be the biggest acquisition of a, by a major media company in the fast-growing but challenging business of producing and promoting video programming on Google's YouTube. Okay, so those aren't really the ones that I'm interested in. Those aren't the fascinating stories. The fascinating story is this, you know, going right back to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Because... One of our American quote-unquote dreams is to own a home. Nearly six years after the government rescued Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, top members in the Senate and the White House agreed on a framework to wind down the mortgage giants and overhaul the nation's $10 trillion mortgage market. Now, after initially holding up on the news that you know the government's going to change things up, again, the government being, in this case, a bipartisan proposal, the deep-pocketed investors who had bet that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would be restructured are getting killed. 
So Fannie Mae shares fell 31%. Freddie Mac's shares slid 27%. Certain classes of the firm's preferred stock, a form of senior equity also held by big investors, saw only modest losses. So this is going to be debated. But to me, it's interesting, in large part, the fear of unintended consequences. The plan by Senate Banking Committee leaders Tim Johnson and Mike Crapo calls for replacing Fannie and Freddie with a new system of federally insured mortgage securities in which private insurers would be required to take initial losses before any government guarantee would be triggered. So that's good. So the federal government's going to be still issuing securities. So it's not totally getting out of the business of securitizing. It's a step forward. There's no doubt about it. But there's hurdles. There's some deep unease, you know, about significant federal backstops for U.S. mortgages. When we got into our 2008 housing crisis, a lot of people wanted to blame and point fingers. And I think there was more than enough blame to go around, and there was more than enough fingers to point at other people. You know, was it the lender who borrowed $600,000 who made 100000 and should never have been borrowing that much? Was it the bank who said, let's lend this money to this guy who's making 100 because the government will bail us out? Whose fault was it? Congress will be a lot less likely to take up a bill going forward as November's midterm elections draw closer, leaving less time for debate. Consumer and industry groups are sure to resist any steps to raise loan costs or to limit mortgage accessibility. So Fannie and Freddie, which don't make loans, but instead buy them from lenders, were taken over by the U.S. during the 2008 financial crisis, and they've become very, very profitable. The stocks, which I said on air, make no sense that they're still around because they're basically bankrupt. They kept making money, and because they were owned by the government, the government kept taking the money and not giving it to quote-unquote shareholders or, or infrastructure. So they've sent over $185 billion to the Treasury's dividend payouts. The current arrangement right now in which Fannie and Freddie are back nearly three and five new loans, it's, it's cause for controversy. We are all American citizens, or let's just say whoever, let's, I don't know how do I say this without offending one person. I think we're all, uh, all American. Uh, if you're an American citizen and you own a home, you probably want Fannie and Freddie to stick around. If you're an American citizen and you don't own a home and you rent, you probably don't give a hoot. So these are fascinating as far as, you know, the guarantees going forward and what our government's willing to do and who are you willing to upset as far as investors, not even investors go, but as far as homeowners go. 800 516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. That's the top story. And again, that probably won't be the top story on you know, NBC News because, let's face it, it's um, not sexy. Tesla is at risk of being banned in Ohio. Yesterday they got banned from New Jersey. This is, if you're long Tesla, this is a big question mark for you. This is a flag that should concern you. New Jersey approved a law basically banning Tesla from using its direct sales model, which I'm almost going to say good luck with that. 
Tesla sells its cars directly to consumers, just like Apple has its own Apple stores. Apparently with cars, this is not allowed. Is that Tesla stock crashing? No, not yet. But this is a big concern, okay? Tesla shares are up. Everyone loves the good part of the story, but the, you know, the tough part of the story is that they are having some problems with some states of getting approval to sell their cars. You know, the, the car dealership union, and we'll call it that for the you know, sake of the big picture story here, the car dealership union doesn't want Tesla to come in. They've built showrooms. They've got inventory. Tesla doesn't have an inventory. They just, you know, they build it directly for you. When you want it, they do it. And they're building as fast as they can at this point in time. So Ohio looks like they're on the verge of doing a ban as well. Texas, Arizona, New Jersey, Ohio. So Tesla gave zero to politicians last year, and car unions gave a lot. You can understand when you see companies like Best Buy get devastated by Amazon, you can understand, or even let's go blockbuster by Netflix. You know, there was a lot of mom and pops who owned video stores, and that was their business, and you know, they employed a certain amount of people, they paid rent. You could certainly see uh, some some issue here. Anyhow, and anyway, uh, those are the top stories of the day. And again, we have a negative stock market, and that's okay. There's some focus on China slowing down. There's some focus on the Ukraine. There's not an inherently bad economic story in the U.S. today. S&P 500 is down 6, the Dow down 43, the NASDAQ down 16. said yes china clearly was the reason that yesterday we got through the two yeah i met somebody in the sea of people and that's just what i believe in yeah i met visit rob black online at robblack.com now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So there's another day, another story about Bitcoin. There's one today from Overstock CEO saying that he's doing big business in Bitcoin transactions per day. But there's also a story out from Goldman Sachs completely obliterating Bitcoin. In a 25-page note, Goldman throws armfuls of kindling wood on the smoldering stack of doubt. Basically... It's just too volatile to be of much use to anyone is the bottom line, whether you're a Bitcoin evangelist or not. And they're basically saying it has no comparison with other currencies. But the volatility of consumer prices has been ever lower tied towards foreign exchange rates. 
If you hold cash today in most developed worlds, you know, within a few percentage points, which you'll be able to do with it in a year from now, but not so much with Bitcoin. They think that there's some way of having the transactions themselves change in the future of how money works, whether it be Square or Groupon or PayPal, but not so much Bitcoin. SP500 is down 6, the Dow is down 43, the NASDAQ down 16. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. You can also find him here on this radio station, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton, 1 to 2, Monday through Fridays here on KDOW 1220. So let's talk annuities. With bond rates still very low, annuity sales are rapidly increasing and being sold as bond alternatives. Good idea, bad idea, who should consider this? Well, if you're, you know, approaching retirement, let's say you're 55 to in retirement up to about age 75. And I'm not talking about tax-free bonds in your taxable accounts, but bond allocations for your retirement accounts. There are some decent bond alternatives um, that are out there. The problem is, is that all the areas that I see where annuity sales are rapidly increasing are all these commission-based brokers sold where people get their money tied up for like 7 to 10 years. And the only time that these are really good alternatives, Rob, is when their guaranteed lifetime income is okay. better than potential bond income, and the return that you can get is better potential than current bond environment. Okay. So, so what would that number be, like 3% guaranteed? 4 to 5%. Okay. 45. So 4 to 5%. So once the 10-year treasury hits about 45 to 5%, you might change your mind and want out of these products. Okay. And you have to have the flexibility to do that. And most products don't allow that. Okay. So explain a guaranteed life withdrawal benefit. Yeah, How does G- that work? GLWB is what they... Exactly. It's almost every company uses that on their brochures as GLWB, right? Guaranteed lifetime withdrawal benefit. I want to cry. That's intimidating. So it, it's essentially it's longevity insurance. When people want to pull four or five percent of their portfolio, you know those numbers were created in the '90s when rates on bonds were much higher and people didn't live as long. Right. So what if you do live till you're 100, 120, like <laughs> some people actually have? What happens is if you have a, a portfolio, whether it's in an index type of a product or a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, what they say is, let's say you run out of money, the portfolio is drawn down to zero at age 80, and you still have 25 years to live, the insurance company then kicks in and starts paying you for the rest of your life as long as you live, even though your portfolio is at zero. There are some people thinking that we are going to be modifying modifying genetics in the next 10 years, and we may live a lot longer. Right. What do you think is going to happen in the insurance industry if things like that play out? What's interesting is your rates would actually go down. The longer that people live, the more period of time that they're paying premiums in. Yeah. Um, and they, they just build up a portfolio of conservative bonds to support all of their policies. So when people live longer, <coughs> they pay premiums for a higher, a longer period of time, and your rates could actually go down. So how are the returns calculated in these income annuities? Like how, how are they knowing they can't afford to be wrong? Yeah. Well, and essentially what they're insuring, too, is, is a very low risk, right? Because there hasn't been a 10-year period in our history, even from 97 or 98 to 2008 or 99 to 2009, where a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds has lost money. So the risk is actually quite low. But what these things do is say, okay, since my income for life is higher than bonds, it'll allow me to take my bond money and take a little bit more aggressive approach with it. So the returns are either in the index to form where they say, okay, you can get a certain amount of the upside of the S&P 500. So if the S&P 500 does like 20%, you might get 5. 
So you get a cap of the okay. movement of the S&P 500, no dividends, so just that's a, a bad cap. thing, right? No, it's better than bonds right now. Okay. Because bonds pay three. All you need is a couple of years of good market, average market returns right. to beat three to five years worth of a bond fund or a CD rate. But what if the market goes up 30% and you're capped at 6%? Well, you're not comparing it to a stock portfolio. You're comparing uh, it to bonds. Okay. So but it's never going to beat the stock market in the long run. It's a bond alternative. Okay, but you see where my mind goes. Yeah, because you're thinking of in terms of stocks. It's not a wealth-building tool for young people. Mm, you caught me. So um, the annuities are horrible for young people. Um, so you can have an index return where it's a cap rate. So if the market goes up 20%, you might get 5 market goes down 20%, you just get 0 that year. Um, or you can have an insured portfolio. We have a, a mix of stocks and bonds, and an insurance company will say, if this portfolio ever goes to zero, we'll kick in and continue the 4 to 5% for life, whatever age you are. Um, variable annuities, unless you already have one, are because of these new insured portfolio options, or it's an annuity without being an annuity contract, um, you don't really need variable annuities anymore. So you should get out of those. If you have one, email it to me, and I'll tell you what the fees are and how much you can save by, by getting out of it. Briefly, how are beneficiaries taxed on annuities? Well, that's the thing is that, you know, if it's an IRA, if you used IRA money to buy the annuity, they can roll it into an inherited IRA. But this is why you don't use taxable money for annuities because if you die with an annuity in a taxable account or a non-qualified account, your heirs pay the taxes at their bracket, Gotcha. Where you could have pulled some of the money out, and you might be, you know, 80 years old and only at 15% bracket. So your heirs pay the unrealized taxes. A lot to discuss. If you want to discuss it further with CFP Chad Burton, find him at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. Let's say you're in an annuity that's paying two and a half percent, that you're paying two and a half percent to be in. Maybe it's time to get out. Time to discuss your options with CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Cynthia Lynn, one of the stars of the 1960s TV show, Hogan's Heroes, has passed away. She played Fraulein Helga, which was Colonel Klink's secretary. Uh, what's interesting to note about it um, is, well, we all die. Think of how hard that was to get that approved by a big TV network like NBC. Hogan's Heroes. The pitch, oh yeah, it's a concentration camp in Nazi Germany with Americans and British actors in it, and it's a comedy. Charles Schultz will be the comic relief, the man who sees nothing, hears nothing, does nothing, and it's a comedy. TV was pretty creative back then, not so much today. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. AM 1220 KDOW. Pretty soon I'll be getting on my first plane. One of the reasons I do this show 
is to really try to get out in front of people and say, here's financial thoughts for you. I don't want you to have a big regret. I think regrets are, are painful. I think regrets are sad. Now, I'm not saying anything shocking to many of you, but I think a lot of people are living in denial. I think in this day and age, it's getting tougher and tougher to become upper middle class or to become upper class. And I think it's becoming easier and easier to become lower middle class and below. I work with people who are doing the very best they can, and yet they can't save. And then when you go, so what are you going to do when you turn 60? And people don't want to talk about it. I know people that are in their 30s that want to settle down and have a baby, that they do have that maternal instinct. But to have that maternal instinct and to want to be a stay-at-home mom means you're living off one income. And in the Bay Area, that probably means you're not going to be living well unless that one income is you know, $300,000, $400,000 a year which, again, show me a lot of those incomes. Now, this show is podcast throughout the nation and throughout the world, and some people probably laugh that I'm talking about upper middle class being $300,000, $400,000. But if you want a house, that's what it is. If you want your own yard, that's what it is. Maybe we have to redefine upper middle class. But the word regret is something that I, I, I don't throw around lightly. There's a few things in life that, you know, let you do do-overs. And that's what I kind of really want to throw out there is that I, I, I don't want you to be 60 and living in a trailer park and watching TV and waiting to die. My mother is. My mother's had a couple strokes. My dad regretfully died 20 years plus before she did because she's the type of woman that she is. She didn't remarry. She didn't think about another man or companionship. So now she sits at home and watches television, basically waiting to die. She doesn't exercise. You know, her exercise is probably getting out of the bed and walking downstairs, which she's had already three falls. One of them was getting out of the bed. So getting old, I don't want you to regret getting old. When I look at my mom, I don't. I love her with all my heart, but I regret things didn't turn out differently for her. Now, there's a lot that you can do to make sure that you don't have regrets. Save 15 to 20% of your salary. Okay? Lose some weight. Um, I'm changing up my work schedule ever so slightly, ever so slightly, because in the last six months I've put on 20 pounds after losing 40. I need to get back in that regimen of losing, not gaining. And I've already, by the way, lost 10 of that, 20. And again, that's just, I don't want to, I don't want to be 80 and have two or three strokes and not be able to talk, not being able to communicate, not be able to get a move around. So the big thing that I'm pushing here is, is try not to live in a world where you're going to have regret and start seeing what your actions are. Uh, one of the simpler ones is, you know, taking good health, taking good care of your health. Um, but here's a big regret that people have that is tied to the financial world is, you know, not having an emergency fund and then using up 
like your IRA or your 401k because you lose a job. Or maybe not even lose a job, but maybe it's a roof. Um, I had a, a stone break a windshield recently. To me, it was nothing. You know, it was a easy fix. Coworker of mine had a stone break a windshield. To him, it was seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. Seventeen hundred and fifty dollars to get a replacement windshield. That's crazy. But with all the technology that are being built into windshields now, you kind of get the angle. So you don't ever want to be in a position where you have to say a four hundred one k or windshield. You want to plan for such. You know, weird things like that. You never want to take money out of your retirement plan until you absolutely positively have to. Otherwise, you probably will regret it. Some people, you know, never get out of Dodge. The Bay Area is a very expensive place to live. And if you have 400000 you want to be upper middle class, that's fine. But if you don't, and you're living off a low tax basis... But you're still paying, you know, 10% sales tax, 10% income tax. One of the things you could do is get out of Dodge. So your whole net worth is worth 20% more in other states. Because how expensive it is in the Bay Area. So know that. How expensive it is just in the state of California. I don't get how farmers, you know, put up with the high taxes. I get... get the Bay Area. There's a lot of high-paying jobs here. But if you own a convenience store in Stockton, I don't see how you're going to buy. Other than the low cost of Stockton, you still have very high taxes. So consider getting out of Dodge. Um, now, stay in the Bay Area as long as you can. Stay with the ones you love as long as you can, but have a plan. Most people don't save enough for retirement. And I was talking to a guy recently who, he got burned in 2002, he got burned in 2008. But I don't think he was playing the game right, because I got burned, but I recovered. And he's cash, he's, he's fearful now. So he's got 10 years, he's already 60, he's got $800,000 sitting in cash. And that's the worst thing you can have. Have it in something paying at least a dividend, even if it's a small one. Because that's too much asset, too much... Cash, cash is an asset. It's not have it working for you and earning you some money. Million dollars in retirement will pay you forty thousand to sixty thousand dollars a year. He's currently making about two hundred thousand. So I said the best thing you could do is keep working as long as you can and get over your fear of of not deploying that money. Get someone that you trust. So most people won't save enough for retirement, and then they'll run out of money in retirement. A lot of people leverage themselves too much. They live on credit cards. Now, it's okay to leverage yourself into a house. But it's not okay to leverage yourself into a depreciating asset like a car or vacation. I've got a friend who, she's trying to find a husband. She's trying to settle down. And she went on four big vacations last year. And that's sad. Because she'll be 30 once in her life, or 31 and those vacations will start to fade. And that money that she spent could have been money that was used in retirement. Another big regret people have is that they retire way too early. So if you retire later, you have more time to save, more time to earn. You earn money from age 20 to 60, and that's it. 
My brother Michael in the 1990s, he took money out of a 401k because, you know, the economy got tough. My brother Michael's 18 months older than me. My brother Michael's going to work till the day he dies. My brother Michael is always one emergency away from being poor. And he's a scientist. He's probably one of the smartest people I know. So, getting money early to work in the 1990s, had he left it there, it would be worth four times as much as it is today. But it's already gone, because he had to tap into that 401k early. Maybe it was fear, whatever it was. A lot of people are going to regret thinking that Social Security is going to provide for you. It's not. Social Security is getting more and more messed up demographically. And it's providing less and less, and you're going to have to work longer and longer in order to get it. So maybe Social Security will help you make ends meet when you're very immobile and you're not spending a lot of money. And you're just watching TV in your trailer. Social Security would help my mother make ends meet. It wouldn't cover her whole retirement. So I know firsthand what it is and what it's not. When I was more actively working in money management, I knew very much so firsthand what poverty was and what it wasn't. Because I do a a financial show really dedicated to getting people to retirement from age 20 to 60. I see it a lot. I see people with a lot of false expectations. As we get older, it gets become more and more of a strain to keep our bodies in shape. It's something that's really important that you're going to have to do because bad health is expensive. I brush my teeth three times a day. Do you know how much that stinks? I hate it. I hate it. Like, I'm the only nerd who's brushing at lunch. I know I am. I know there's some women out there who do, but I don't know another man in the world who brushes more than once a day, let alone twice a day, definitively not three times a day. So I don't want my teeth to become a big source of regret. Do you know how messed up it is when a grandpa takes out his dentures and scares the grandchildren? I don't want to be that guy. So, and we all know healthy elderly people, and we could all learn a thing or two from them. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-516-1220. One of the bigger stories today is shoppers are really ditching Target after their data breach. Generation X is one of their biggest targets. 44% of Americans used to shop at Target, Generation Xers. Now that number's down to the low 30s, all because of a data breach. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can find me online at robblack.com. Got a big seminar coming up on the peninsula a couple Thursdays from now. You can learn more about it at robblack.com. The um, Russia has emerged. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. So there's something called a map of the market. It's telling you what's working and what's not. It shows you basically the 10 sectors the S&P, Standard & Poor's, 
10 parts of our economy. Consumer services, telecommunications, technology, consumer goods, healthcare, financials, oil, gas, industrials, utilities, and then there's BM, basic materials. Now, I've got the kind of mind where I smile a lot. I find reasons to be positive. I don't find reasons to be negative. And when I see BM, I'm like, <laughs> makes me think of small children, right? Um, but BMs and utilities are the only thing doing well today. So a map of the market is something that I don't really want you to know a lot about. I find that it's going to cause you to get too smart. There's a phrase on Wall Street, keep it simple, stupid. It's, it's everything. I dated a girl in college that she was a beautiful woman. She was a Christian, God-fearing woman. She was nice. She did good deeds. She probably was a little bit like that person from Little House on the Prairie. Um, or the Swiss Miss Coco Girl. Like, almost an ideal. Like, she was simple. And we dated out of college, and things started to grow apart because I was working a lot, and she was figuring out her career. And also, really, 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 I tried too hard. I tried the right vacations, tried the right career, tried the right car, kind of that kind of thing. And all she really wanted to do was sit on the couch and eat corn chips. And ever since then, that's been one of my mottos in my life. All I want to do is sit on my couch, watch a little TV, eat corn chips. And again, it's really not about corn chips. But you can complicate things to the point of becoming a problem. For instance, in healthcare, what do you want? Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, Merck, Novo Nordisk? Do you want Gilead? Do you want Eli Lilly? Do you want Valiant Pharmaceuticals, Bristol Myers Squibb, AstraZeneca, Amgen, United Health? Do you want Express Scripts? Do you want Baxter? Do you want WellPoint? Or do you want them all? Getting them all is the smarter way. And you get an index, and instead of paying for each one, you own healthcare. And the basic premise of America's getting older. You know, the financial sector, keep it simple. Do you want an insurance company? Do you want a banking company? Do you want a brokerage company? You want them all. When was the last time you worked with someone like an insurance company? Or, and you have a massive heart condition. You weigh 450 pounds, and the insurance company is like, yes, we're going to give you life insurance. When was the last time you went into a bank and you were making you know, 50 cents because you had two quarters and you could rub them together? And that's all you had to your name. When was the last time you saw them give you a loan? There's an amazing story out of the healthcare industry about a, a kid who's dying of a, a life-threatening disease, and the healthcare company gave him drugs for free. But those are almost miraculous stories, right? So keep it simple, stupid. In tech, if you want to pick a company like Facebook, fine. I want you to have a nice story stock to talk about at the water cooler. But go with a name that you know and a name you kind of grasp. You know what do you really know about? ASM lithography. Or what do you really know about Juniper Networks and their position compared to Cisco and their position compared to Chinese competitors? Facebook, I'm going to give you a, an out on. 
But I'm going to say Facebook, we've seen before with MySpace and AOL. Once dominant companies. Dominant companies. Um, so I'd rather go indexing. I know it's not as sexy, but sexy is you don't really need. It's complicating things. In basic materials, do you really know the difference between BHP Billiton and Vale and Tenaris, Posco, Jardu, Alcoa, IP, International Paper, Rio Tinto, Air Products and Chemicals? Probably not. So you know, like, basic materials, they're not going to be growing. So you're going to get a much lower valuation. You're probably going to get a dividend with those stocks. They're going to be growing with world population. It's not like we found in this new copper 2.0. So less is more, in my opinion, in it, when it comes to f- financial decisions. People really complicate their own lives a lot. So right now there's some concerns about a slowdown in China. That's one of the reasons you don't have all your money in Chinese stocks. It's one of the reasons you don't have all your money in U.S. stocks. You do see that the economy is more global than it's ever been, so it's important to acknowledge that. Um... There's a lot of speculation going on right now. Companies like Plug Power, Ballard Power, Fuel Cell Energy. We talked about these recently, fuel cell companies. They finished off their intraday highs yesterday, 49%, 39%, and 31% off their high, intraday highs. That's too much movement. Now, to me, that's a sign of I don't want to play with it because it's inefficient. In the 1980s, in the early 1990s, the Green Bay Packers were really inefficient. They would win four games, lose four games, win four games, lose four games. They'd lose eight games, win eight games. Uh, yeah, so they'd go seven and one, then go one and seven. They were mediocrity defined eight and eight, many, 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 many seasons in a row. And they found new ways of figuring it out. I refer to them as inefficient. Um, you don't want that. I don't think you win good fights in inefficient areas. I think you want to build a strong portfolio. G7 leaders have said that they won't recognize the results of the Crimea referendum, or at least a result that favors an annexation to Russia. That's a bit of a world problem right now. So when we're at all-time highs, we need to be cautious at all-time highs. And that's exactly what the market's doing, and it's pretty efficient. I have an event coming up in the Bay Area a couple Thursdays from now, end of the month. You can learn more about it. It's a retirement planning, income, and dividend event. You can learn more at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Most of the time in most divorces, legal issues are not the issue. At 408-947-7600 for a free consultation. That's 408-947-7600. Information and discussion. Great oil and filter specials at CarQuest Auto. AM 1220 KDOW. AM 1220 KDOW. Necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network. 
presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Concerns about an economic slowdown in China, brewing financial problems on Wall Street. Hmm. You don't have to look terribly far to see that China's got some slowdown issues that the markets are paying attention to. We know that their economy can't grow at 8% forever and ever, unless it's kind of a government fraud thing. Uh, But we saw copper really, really collapse. Investment world's buzzing about copper prices right now. And again, that's not really fun radio, but it is what it is today. For the first time since July 2010, prices for copper are trading below $3 a pound. China's the main culprit because China's one of the metal's biggest customers. Um, the Chinese solar energy company, Beidong, saw its bonds suspended by the Shanghai Exchange after a second year of net losses spurred default fears. And it's okay. You actually kind of want to see that on occasion where <clears throat> a company fails and isn't bailed out. Now, how many of us really know anything about Chinese solar energy companies? Most of us probably don't. So, for them not to survive in a booming, thriving economy growing at 8%, it's kind of a flag. It doesn't take a rocket engineer to put it together and say, okay, how is a solar company in a country filled with smog, in a world with you know, high demand, how are they failing? And it's actually comforting knowing that the Chinese government's not rushing to their aid and bailing them out. Because ultimately, you don't want companies to always be bailed out, and then they start dumping product into other markets. So copper's a big story right now. And again, big reflection of China. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. So you got a little Crimea referendum joining Russia, annexing to Russia. Uh, a little bit of an issue. So China, copper, Crimea. Reality checks set in for fuel cell companies. And they once were darlings. Well, they once were non-existent, non-caring companies. And then they told a good story about hydrogen fuel cells, the big product leftover vapor of water. Um, Every now and then we get kind of goo-goo and we go gaga. You know, alternative energy sources that are cheap, replenishable. We love it. The story's great. How can you not love that story, right? So yesterday they had a big reversal, and smart money ran them up, and dumb money held on. Smart money got out before dumb money really even knew the party was over. So... That's an issue. And then you get the whole G7 telling Russia, stop what you're doing. So Russian Crimea in of itself is an issue, but there's the other issue that 
the rest of the world saying, stop. And a lot like the Iranian hostage scenario that ultimately doomed President Carter's presidency. I mean, I'm sure some of you are the you know, biggest President Jimmy Carter fans out there, but he was seen as weak on foreign affairs. Obama's kind of cited this week on foreign affairs. So it's interesting to watch. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the area. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So I can find a story in anything. You know, earlier I was talking about Cynthia Lynn. She was a really, really cute little girl, a really beautiful young woman. She played... Fraulein Halga, which was Colonel Klink's secretary on Hogan's Heroes, and she recently passed away. She also did other shows like Mission Impossible, The Odd Couple, The Six Million Dollar Man, um, suffering from hepatitis. She was hospitalized on Friday. She died you know, Monday night. I was able to turn that into a story of an actress who's 76 years old passing away. And I turned it into television isn't what television used to be. And there's really, really good television. But there's a lot of really, really bad television. And I don't think I'm attacking anyone's sensibilities, although maybe I'll get a complaint from one person. And maybe it'll be a made-up complaint. But Two and a Half Men, it, it really challenges our respectability out there as a nation on intelligence. But then again, there's there's great shows. You know, they tend to be dominating on HBO and AMC, a little bit on Showtime. Some people call it the golden age of television because of you're able to get in and out, tell a, a 13-hour movie in 13 episodes, really flesh out the characters. No one would have paid money to see True Detective in a theater because it would have been two hours. It would have had Don Johnson, probably would have had Bradley Cooper. And being that two-hour limit, it wasn't enough time to tell a good story. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The golden age of television and media companies. You have to look for positioning. One of the stories out there today that I, I find, <clears throat> I find it to be a really big story, but I don't think you're going to find it to be a really big story. It's not the fact that you can now tip on your Apple Starbucks app. And how do you tip some, one barista who's helping you versus all the baristas? Do you see what I'm saying? Mm, let's go to Tim, Santa Rosa. Tim? Hello? Tim? Hello? Go ahead. Hey, Rob. Hey, I just have a quick question. Uh, I'm almost 59 and a half. I can retire pretty soon. I have about a million three. Uh, and I was wondering how to set up my account to do deaccumulate these. Uh, do I do it on a, a, a monthly basis? Do I set it up on a quarterly basis? Do I do it annually? Uh, do you know what I mean? No, I don't. You have 1.3 million. Uh-huh. What is it? What is it in? Uh, well, I have about a million in our my 401k, my wife and I's. Okay, good. And we have about 200 some thousand, about 90 in cash, and a little over 100 in stocks and mutual funds. What's it in in the 401k? Excuse me? What are your holdings in the 401k? Uh, what are the holdings? Uh-huh. As far as asset classes or... Do, do you like are big mutual funds, index funds? 
Yeah, mutual funds. And then I have about uh, I have about three I about three hundred and fifty in a stable fund uh, because I am going to retire uh, pretty soon. But the the, uh, the other the seven hundred thousand is in uh, small caps, medium caps, a little in uh, a little in international, about thirteen percent, not much uh, stuff like that. Well, do you think you could build off fifty to sixty thousand dollars a year? Uh, yeah, probably covering the four percent rule for the first for the first uh, couple of years. I'm going to work a couple of days a week. I'll retire at fifty nine and a half. I'll still work two days a week, and my wife will still work for about a year and a half after that. So that'll take me almost to sixty one. I know. Start. I don't have longevity in my life. Uh, you know, my family. So I'm going to start collecting my Social Security at sixty two. Uh, so yeah, I think I can swing. Does your wife have longevity in her life? In her family? Uh, yeah, in the mid-70s to 80s. So maybe you want to wait on collecting Social Security because it would be hers that you're waiting yeah, on versus yours. Yeah, probably. Uh, either one of us. Uh, I, I, it depends on how things go, Rob. Uh, either I will probably, because we'll probably get about the same in Social Security, about fourteen to 1500 a month. So I might, uh, I might hold off until she gets to 62. And I, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about this when we come off break. We're on a hard break. Sorry. You're listening to Rob Black, your money. If you want to follow up with that. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Numbers. Concerns over... Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I'm a little torn on the between two ferns Barack Obama appearance. Part of me sees it as kind of a cheap ploy to reach out to millions and millions of America and remind them to sign up for health care. Part of me sees it as pretty funny that the president could poke fun at himself. Part of me sees it as a bad platform, as far as a precedent sets for a president, to communicate with the people. When you're going lowbrow humor, there's a place for it, there's no doubt. But I don't know if I want the president there. Um, it was pretty funny. Um, I got a good laugh out of it numerous times. I find um, Zach Galifianakis, or however you say his last name, I find him to be humorous. I do. Uh, when President Barack Obama was talking about how he doesn't want to run for a third term, it's like things in threes don't end well, like the hangover. And that was cute. But ask yourself the medium of the message on times, because I think it is important to stop and try to figure this out so that it helps you. I'm going to be talking a little bit more about the guy's retirement issues throughout the show. But... I'm tight today, so if I don't get to it, Tim, contact me, Rob at RobBlack.com. It's Rob at RobBlack.com. He needs to have a strategy for retirement, and one of the ones that already was causing flags for me to go up was they want to take Social Security early because he doesn't have longevity in his family. He doesn't really have that much money in assets, $1.3 million. I'd like a little bit more. Let's go take a look at the SP500 down one. The 
Dow down nine, and the Nasdaq up seven. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. He is with NewFocusFinancial.com. You can find him online, NewFocusFinancial.com. You can find him here on the airwaves between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock on KDOW, his show, New Focus on Wealth. Now, California is the land of opportunity, and California has created a lot of real estate wealth for people who have been in the state 10, 20, 30, 40 years. They've probably done well if they've owned a home for more than 15. A lot of Californians are going to be house rich in retirement. Some of them are going to be stock option rich. Some of them will be 401k rich. Some of them will be a combination of the, the, the three. What do we need to know about being house rich in retirement? I get ready for a massive move in America where people are going to be downsizing their home in the next 20 years. You have so many baby boomers that are drastically undersaved for retirement, underprepared for retirement. Um, if they live in the Bay Area, likely if they're or one of these people in these studies that have undersaved, they're going to eventually having to tap their home in a reverse mortgage or, or move out of the state, move out of the country even. Uh, so studies I've seen, Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies did one where only one in ten people make a calculation in their lifetime of how long their money is going to last. Okay. Other studies by Retirement Institute and other places have said that uh, of the people that do have 401k balances, the average person that has a 401k balance is only projected to save enough to replace 60% of their income. Okay. So hopefully their house is paid off by retirement so that they can have the option to tap some equity, sell it, move it, whatever it may be. That's one of the best things about owning a home is you pay yourself rent, which means you're paying yourself equity. And after 10, 20, 30 years, hopefully it's added up to a a situation where maybe that equity you've paid yourself can now be turned into rent that you're paying to someone else, or maybe it's you just stay in the house. But yeah, the, unfortunately, the, the affordability factor is an issue, too, because you get a 50-year-old wanting to buy a home, and it's gotten so expensive that they'll stop funding their 401k because they think it's such a great idea to buy a home, Right. which is a huge mistake. Right. If you can't afford to max out your 401k and buy that house, you're not ready to buy that house. I'm seeing a lot of people under 35 doing exactly what you're saying. They're not buying the house. Some of them are maxing out the 401k, some of them aren't, but that's really important to you. Um, to have the nest egg totally separate than the home that you live in or the place that you're at. Yeah, yeah I mean, start working out of college, save 15% of pay while you're saving for that slush fund for that first home. You could even do that in your Roth IRA if you wanted to. And, and build up, get used to saving that 15% of pay so that you know, if I continue to do that, that's what I need to be able to retire this home will just supplement my retirement, or maybe it'll take a couple of years off my retirement if I get it paid off early, you know, 30 years down the road. You have to take some time to do some calculations. You have to continue to be able to save money in your 401k. Take the time to, to not be these 1 in 10 people that don't run these calculations of how much they need in retirement. If you're going to run calculations, where should you go to see these calculations? Because let's say my house is worth a million dollars equity. I don't know how long that's... I, I guess on the radio I say it's $40,000 a year till the day I die, but how do I figure this out? You know, if you can't figure it out on a basic level, that's when you it's worth to pay maybe an hourly CFP, somebody that charges by the hour to, to do these projections for you if you don't have the assets yet to have a wealth manager do it as part of the wealth management program. Um, because the online calculators don't do a good job in analyzing your tax situation and forcing you to actually think about things like what are your health care costs in retirement so people will just take their current expenses and and assume that they don't pay almost any taxes based on these online calculators, and they, they get disappointed. So they do a very poor job, unfortunately. You know, the more I talk to you, the more I get intimidated by making decisions. 
in retirement. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, but at the same time, we also tell younger people that, you know, you start by saving that 15 to 20% of pay yeah. in total stock market index, international and emerging market indexes. If you do that, you can do a lot of things on your own until you get that first hundred to $250,000 saved up. Make sure you have your disability insurance and you're saving, you know, 15 to 20% of pay. You're going to be wealthy when you're 65. You just have to put your head down and do it. Okay. So when I threw out that intimidation thing, I was kind of saying that it, it's complicated. Like figuring out the value of your home and how many years of income that can translate into, it's intimidating. Yeah, for, that's what for the average person. That's what happens. Once you build up a certain amount of assets, you become just as nervous about making mistakes as, you know, picking the next mutual fund. So then you become worried about taxes because that starts eating and you see, oh, my gosh, I'm paying all this money on my because of my 1099s I'm getting. Um, so that's when you, you seek out the professional help. Seek out the professional help. You can find Shaft Burton at CF. Uh, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. But you can find Chad Burton at chadburton.com as well. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone, give me a call. Um, we got a call from someone in Santa Rosa, Tim, who's got about $1.3 million, and he's getting closer to retirement. He's not quite there. He probably wants to sit down with a CFP at some point and start mapping out some issues or start thinking about some issues like his goals, his budgets, um, his drawdown rates, things along the lines of taking uh, retirement early or late with Social Security. Determine the paycheck you need from your portfolio. It's the step one. Total income that you're going to need during retirement. Subtract out steady sources of income such as Social Security or pension payments. The amount left over is what you're going to need your portfolio to replace. You want to check out your withdrawal rate. You know, 4%, if you have $800,000, you withdraw 32000 Year two, you withdraw 32960 So you want to make sure that your portfolio can take a sniff test for weak markets. I'm going to be doing a retirement planning event on the peninsula coming up a couple Thursdays from now. You can learn more at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. But there are some sounds that can alert you to danger and can help save lives. Wireless Emerge Alerts, brought to you by FEMA. Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. How are you today, Mr. Rosen? Pretty good. How yourself? I'm pretty good, although I'm feeling a little bit down with the markets, and I'm trying to rationalize, you know, Russia and Crimea and China, and I, just kind, of, I kind of want a winning market, and I don't, when I don't get it, I get maybe a little sad, a little melancholy for the good old days when we were at all-time highs. Yeah, you're not that far off, but uh, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I say that. But um, what is your thought right now on how international headlines are 
kind of wagging the tail of the U.S. stocks or at least putting some concern in a market that needs a little concern? Yeah, I mean, geopolitical events tend to have an outsized reaction, um, you know, on the market, even if it doesn't have as much of a reaction economically. And, you know, in these cases, I don't see, you know, absent of, you know, a war with Russia, I don't see the Ukraine uh, circumstance that much of a of a headwind on U.S. growth. You know, I, I, it doesn't factor into my GDP forecast at all. And, I mean, China, very little. I mean, you know that China needs to rebalance. The question is, how are they going to rebalance their economy? So, you know, the fact that you're getting, you know, some weakness in exports, showing that you're getting some weakness in, in global demand, you know, it's kind of normal from what I expected. How about the headline story today with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, two companies that have been staples in the U.S. economy for many, many, many years, being replaced with securities by the government um, instead of cash flow by the government? Is there any angle you can bring to the story of good idea, bad idea, unintended consequences? You know, I haven't looked into it too closely yet. Okay. I think in reality it's going to be very similar to what it was before. Uh, you know, you still have... You know, the, the type of company that existed before where you allowed, you know, private equity into a government uh, organization just wasn't a, you know, very viable business model, at least in my opinion. So the idea of making it more, you know, explicit seems, you know, likely and it seems reasonable. Okay. You, do you think it will have a ramification on higher borrowing costs? I don't know. I, I don't okay. know the, the the exact details yet. I don't know, you know, what it means for uh, insuring mortgages and whatnot. I think that's going to be the the you know the telltale. If if the government's completely going to get out of this situation and they're not going to insure mortgages or they're going to back out at least partially, you're going to have a difficult time in the housing market because there is very little appetite um, for banks to hold this type of risk right now. So, you know, once we get the details more about what's going to happen and how things are going to be, I think then you can make more adequate uh, assumptions on how things will be. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rose in ChiefEconomistBriefing.com, you published a piece, I believe, yesterday on the growing disconnect between businesses and households. Uh, what's the, the takeaway from this article? I talked about um, data from the flow of funds report that came out last week. Basically, what you're seeing is that households are less leveraged than they've been. Uh, Debt-to-equity ratios are below trend from 1970 to uh, right around the bubble period of 2001-2002. If you look at debt-to-income ratios, they're returning to a more normal level uh, given where trends were prior to the housing bubble. So you have a situation where household demand should be on the rise, or at least the ability to buy is on the rise. So the pent-up demand that we had from, you know, not purchasing stuff during the crash and, and immediately following should be replaceable. You know, the consumers have the ability to do that. Yet instead of ramping up production or getting ready to ramp up production, you're seeing businesses holding more cash on their balance sheets um, in relationship to uh, liquidity, sorry, not liquidities, um, in relation to um, liabilities. So 
basically they believe that there might be a short-term drop in demand, which would require them to be in a liquidity crunch if they don't own short-term assets to, you know, highly liquid short-term assets to pay off the liquidity, the, the uh, liabilities that they have on their balance sheet right now. Um, so the question is, why is that? Why are businesses, you know, holding cash instead of investing? At the same time, households have the ability to to buy, you know, it's to grow and to drive demand higher, and, and that's very concerning. I'm going to ask you, why are businesses so afraid? I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems irrational, illogical. Um, or businesses might know their market better, and they're stating with certainty that even though households have the ability to take on more debt and to increase uh, their purchasing power, they're not going to do so. So if that's the case, then businesses are in better interest holding short-term cash and, and making sure that they have money on hand so they don't go out of business if demand falls. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. I mean, the way the economy is playing out, even though we're seeing uh, – a rough period right now, you know, and I think this is normal. I think what we're seeing, to, you know, this quarter will probably fall, you know, some more into next quarter as well. But I don't see, you know, a looming recession. I, you know, the Treasury markets aren't forecasting that type of uh, response. So I don't see why businesses would feel the need to hold cash, especially when cash returns so, you know, next to nothing right now. But that's what they're doing. There's an article out today, I think on Bloomberg, talking about cash being held abroad, $206 billion as Apple, IBM, GE, you know, Pfizer. They don't want to pay taxes on it, and it's kind of got our Congress paralyzed because I think it would help your business infrastructure if – could it ever be done that we say you could repatriate it, pay no taxes, but it has to go into business infrastructure, or is that pie in the sky? It's pie in the sky. Money is okay. fungible, so it's it's very difficult to say you can bring this back for this expense, you know, and this expense only. You know, it comes back and they're going to use it for something else and claim something else was used for that expense. Um, the problem is that there's no reason to expand. I mean, that's why businesses are holding short-term uh, short-term assets because they don't feel the need to expand. You know, I, I disagree with that that view based on. Uh, my demand models, but you know that's where businesses are. So it doesn't make sense to for businesses to pay the taxes to repatriate the income to the U.S. when it would likely just sit in the U.S. bank accounts and do nothing as well. Anything that you're working on that you think we should highlight today? Help me out a little bit as far as what's important out there. That was an interesting little article in Bloomberg today that um, was talking about some research paper. Um, that was published, well, not, not published yet, it's a working paper from the um, from late 2013 about uh, the computerization of jobs and the future of employment. And uh, what was interesting about it was that it, it basically took 702 occupations and then gave a probability, you know, if that job is going to be, um, you know, gone in the next 10, 20 years based on, computerization and uh, you know my wife was a fashion designer and uh, according to this uh, model she's got a two percent uh, probability of losing her job to a computer meanwhile as an economist um, I'm at 43 percent so uh, you know <laughs> maybe I should be uh, backing her and, and getting her into uh, higher-end jobs because uh, my, my job might not be here for the much much longer <laughs>
It is an interesting article because, like you said, fashion designer, economist, but also brought up in it was the artificial intelligence and how maybe even lawyers at some point, and they're well compensated. Why can't their jobs be done with a database? And, you know, a colleague of mine just uh, sent me a note saying that uh, radio personalities get, you know, have a 10% chance of losing their job to computers, so I think you're doing okay. <laughs> it's interesting to note. It's already, we've already been ravaged, our industry. Um, so much of our industry is, you know, the clear channels of the world. Just It's one radio host, and he'll cover like five or six cities, five or six areas. And, you know, do a little weather here for Southern California, do a little weather here for Central California, but... Um, it, there's no doubt. Is this going to be a problem in our lifetime of yeah. computerization? Yeah, I, I mean, technological advances always cause shifts in labor movements. The question is, how quickly is the shift going to be in our, you know, workers or potential workers going to be able to adjust to the increasing technology and the increase in productivity from this from this new technology to uh, to survive? You know, generally speaking. Uh, as technology comes in, you know, you still have to have people to monitor and uh, work with that technology. So I don't see all the jobs just going away, but um, you're definitely going to have to have, be retrained in a lot of industries. So computers aren't going to rule the world, but they're going to they're make some people poor. Yeah, they'll make, I mean, there are always winners and losers, and yep. uh, you know, according to this survey, you know, there's going to be a lot more losers in the near end than winners, but, um, you know, that said, you know, it's the way it works, it's the way technology changes, it's the way uh, the economy and civilization as a whole grows. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com, talking a little robots there. You can get your calls on the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It was an interesting comment on the economy there because we weren't really focusing on jobs. We weren't really focusing on you know some of the data that's coming out short-term that moves markets. That was a little bit of a bigger picture. And uh, that article at Bloomberg, if anyone wants a copy of it, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. It's, drop me an email, rob, robblack.com. But it is pretty alarming. Like, pharmacists... A job could be totally done by a robot. Totally done. Um, on some levels, it is at hospitals. You know, the robot comes and delivers your meds. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. Rob at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. Is with Spectrum Asset Management in Chicago. Oil is down a dollar sixty-eight at ninety-eight thirty. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. There's a YouTube video going around right now that's promoting random people kissing. It's beautifully shot. And basically what happens is two people are put in a room and they say, we're going to videotape you. You need to kiss each other. And the two people don't know each other. In theory, I don't know the whole story, but there's one that's a little inappropriate. And 
it may be me, but it's like a dad and a kid. I don't know. If they don't know each other, it's really inappropriate. But I don't know. I'm not going to be the judge of it appropriate. So, is that news, by the way? Uh, is Viral video is now news. Uh, I'm so disheartened at the quality of news. I took a day off last week, because on occasion I do need to recharge batteries. And, you know, the financial news world is, it, it's not that mainstream. You would be shocked to see how few people actually watch CNBC and Bloomberg and Fox Business. It's interesting because it's bullet shot. And maybe I'm speaking to my radio GM here, but it's a bullet shot in a good way. It's not, you know, the number one rated program in TV is never going to be a financial show. It's never going to be. Shark Tank tells you that, you know, there's something about businesses that we all love and want to understand. Shark Tank is wildly successful. But, yeah, I was watching a little Bloomberg, and I really appreciated the fact that Bloomberg does long pieces on Bitcoin, long pieces on retirement, long pieces on why we should care about Crimea. And you watch CNBC, and it's it's literally financial, like, sugar. It's awful. It's dreadful. I know many of the anchors at CNBC, and I've worked with some of them, and none of them have degrees in economics. None of them have degrees in, in business. Of course, by being close to it, you do get to pull in a lot of data in your lifetime. But you'd be shocked at how, like, Melissa Francis, and I like Melissa Francis. I used to work with her over at CNET. I covered tech stocks for CNET. And she covered technology and gadgets. And now she's like the oil princess, and it's, it's awkward, to say the least. So what I'm trying to say is be cautious on your financial media. We got a call earlier in the show that I do want to address a little bit more on some of the things that you need heading into retirement. In his particular situation, he's five years away, roughly maybe 10. He had about 1.3 million, which I don't find to be, I find that to be about $50,000 in income, maybe a little bit more in retirement. That's pre-tax in the state of California. So let's subtract $10,000 from that if he does stay in Santa Rosa. Now, Santa Rosa is a lot cheaper to live than, say, the Bay Area, uh, Bay Area, but it's still not cheap than other states. So maybe you determine where you're going to live, but you determine the paycheck. First things first, when you're 50, 55, 60, you really need to know what income you're going to be needing from your assets. You need to know your budget. You need to know how much Social Security is going to be. All of this information is available out there. You know, if you don't have a budget, get mint.com. You want to you know, pass a sniff test for how you're going to be handling your investments. In his case, I would say put three years of income aside and then let the rest of it go for a little growth in income. So that, you know, you want to pull 4% out a year and keep in mind you need to adjust, adjust you know, for inflation. So if your budget's $32,000 a year, next year it's going to be roughly 32000 what, 500 uh, 32960 Quick calculation there. So your income that you need is going to go up every year because of inflation. So you want to come up with some reserves, somewhere between one to three years of living expenses in ultra-safe investments like CDs or money market funds. Then you want to create another bucket that's going to help feed bucket number one. Bucket two holds living expenses for three to ten years. It holds some core bonds, some tips, possibly a conservative allocation fund. 
Um, and then, you know, your third bucket, which helps feed the second bucket, you know, it's primarily going to hold equities and higher risk, you know, funds in large part because you've got something for one to three years, you've got something for three to seven years. Now you need to understand the market tends not to have three bad years in a row, but every 10 years. So we get out of those down cycles and you want to let your longer term equity build for the longer term cycles in his case. Now, I don't think you should take advice from a radio show seriously. I think you should, you know, start getting some mantras out of it. I think you should get some ideas out of it. But your particular situation, in his case, his family doesn't have longevity, so he's counting on dying early. I've got things that are important to me in my life, and thus, even though my dad died early, I'm planning on living as long as I can, because people need me. So I'm going to do everything I can to contribute to that. Fruits and vegetables, my primary, you know, source of, of calories. Uh, only 20% of my calories come from meat. I wish I can get that down to 10%. That's a tough one. So a lot more white meat than red meat. It's my basic primary dietary ankle. Uh, I mix up my training. Some days it's uh, treadmill. Some days it's weight. Some days it's sprints. Some days it's long runs. I appreciate a good long run for mental reasons more than physical reasons. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Target sees a massive drop in customer visits after the breach. So 2013, 43% of households would shop at Target. Now it's down to 33%. Now, let's stop and applaud. That's a lot of shoppers. Now, it's down dramatically, but who knew that 43% of households would shop at Target? That's crazy. This company needs to figure it out, and they will. We as a nation forgive and we forget. Maybe it's more forgetting than forgiving, but you get the idea. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big seminar coming up. You can sign up for it today at robblack.com. Coming up in your neck of the woods, 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning in Santa Clara on the 27th of March. Sign up today at robblack.com. Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hey, everybody. Rachel Ray here. Nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than cooking up a big meal for family and friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in America who are struggling with hunger. These children... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.